Hello, everybody. I won't. I won't. Uh, hold, hold on, guys. Come on. There's just. I have. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Unfiltered Supporter Show. Just getting things started. Just got done uh, cramming down some delicious barbecued chicken. Oh, my goodness. It was so tasty. So good I had to come into the studio early and turn the AC on. It was too much for my body to handle. Hey, look. uh, Chase isn't here yet. He's on the road right now. He's like five minutes away. So I thought we'd get started with the supporters pre-show. And then Chase can come here and eat some of my chicken. But I got a lot of clips. Got a lot of stuff in the uh, supporter show today, so we got to get started. You know, maybe we should start with the gross stuff before Chase eats. Like, maybe we should get the Ebola stuff out of the way. What do you think? Come on, Lampy, you can do it. Come on, Lampy, come on. I, 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 I will, I will. Uh, hold, hold, hold on, guys. Come on. I, the, uh, the, the, there's just. Uh, I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll start with the Ebola stuff. Uh, just because, like I said, Chase isn't... I don't know. I don't think he's going to want to see this. I don't think he's going to want to see this, right? All right. So if you're eating, maybe jump ahead like a minute. We'll get this out of the way, though. So then when he's eating my chicken, it's not so gross. Growing fears about Ebola here in America. I'm sorry, what was that, George? It was super loud. What about what about here in America, George? Why are you so loud? Oh, because it was an old clip plan. Sorry about that, George. Uh, take it back from the top, would you, buddy? And uh, tell me uh, all about America and how we should be scared about Ebola. Growing fears about Ebola here in America. Doctors and hospitals on high alert. One patient in New York in isolation and tested for the deadly virus. As the plane carrying the second infected American aid worker completes its 5,000-mile trek, set to land in Georgia this morning. ABC Steve Osinsami is at Emory University Hospital with the latest. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, George. We've been following this case for a couple days now, watching this very closely. We talked with the EMS unit that is going to be moving this patient from Dobbins Air Force Base to this hospital behind me. They also moved Dr. Brantley here on Saturday. They tell us they're taking extra precautions, wearing gloves and specialized gowns, out of an abundance of caution. Doctors on high alert this morning at New York's Mount Sinai Hospital, a man with a fever and gastrointestinal symptoms walking into the emergency room Monday, frightening physicians. We're going to work carefully with the CDC to make certain that this patient does not have the Ebola virus disease. Just hours from now, aid worker Nancy Wrightbull will land in Atlanta. Wrightbull, the second U.S. patient infected with Ebola to arrive in the U.S., received an experimental drug in the days before her flight. Nancy uh, is um, able to walk around, and really the good news was that her appetite started to return. The same experimental drug was also given to her colleague and fellow missionary, Dr. Kent Brantley. The sick physician rushed back to the state Saturday. Health officials aren't certain it's the drug that's helping but friends from his aid group say the results are dramatic. The disease is often fatal, and there's some concern and fear in Atlanta. If somebody, a nurse or a doctor, let's just say they get infected, you yourself and everybody agrees it's a 21-day incubation period, what if they go home and they take it to their family? Paramedics moving Right Bull today are taking no chances. Exposed fabric, blankets, sheets will all be burned. 
We got a look inside the ambulance, the same one used to move Dr. Brantley. The bleach that I'm smelling is because we're dealing with Ebola. Correct. Many of these aid workers traveled overseas with their families who have since returned stateside. Their aid organization tells us that so far everyone appears to be healthy. George? Thank goodness for that. Okay, Steve, thank you. Dr. Richard Besser here this morning as well. You know. All right. So we got another minute or so. Uh, they're talking about this. I don't know. I mean, this it, this clip's already a little old, uh, but we'll let it play out. We'll because we'll, th- we're not going to talk about the Ebola subject in the main show. So uh, we'll play a little bit more. Everybody on edge, uh, given this virus, but this patient here in New York, almost certainly not Ebola. Yeah, I mean, the, what we heard from Mount Sinai, very low chance that this is Ebola. This is around the sixth time someone's been tested in America like this. They traveled to the region, they had symptoms of fever that were consistent, and they were all negative. It's exactly what you want to do. You want hospitals. Hmm, hmm, that's interesting. Hmm. To be on guard. And now we know that both these aid workers were given this experimental drug, Z-MAP. Uh, those at Samaritan's person seem to think this made the difference. Right. You're not so sure. I'm not so sure. I mean, it's great that they're doing well, but this drug, it, it's a combination of three factors that target Ebola. It's never been tried in humans. In monkeys, it was given when they were infected, but they had no symptoms. They weren't sick. It's never been tried in humans, and yet they gave it to both of them? Here they were very sick, and this kind of drug doesn't work that way. Now, um, how is that scientifically like at all valid? If, they're, if they weren't sure and they wanted to test the results of this medicine, and they just give it to two people, and they, even though there's never been any human trials ever before, there was no clearance by the FDA, there was no scientific council to set up to see how it works, they just gave them the drug like that? Is this the movies? It, it does appear, though, that both these patients are out of the woods. Well, I mean, when you're hearing that they're up and walking about, the normal course for Ebola, if you're not going to make yeah. it, is it's a pretty rapid downward spiral. So the fact that she's asking for her favorite Liberian dish is terrific news. That is good news. Okay, Rich Besser, thanks very much. No, thank you, George. Thank you. Chase is here. He's out getting some meat. All right. One last Ebola story. This is probably a good one if you're watching the video version. If you're not watching the video version, it might be worth grabbing this from the supporter sink. Dr. Nancy Snyderman is at the nerve center for all of this. CDC headquarters in Atlanta. Nancy, good evening. Good evening, Brian. The man in New York City who presented with Ebola-like symptoms remains tonight in strict isolation while laboratory tests are being performed. And this case highlights how much American health, the American health care system and hospitals across the country are on heightened alert. The war room at the CDC, where today all eyes on Ebola. This is really unprecedented in terms of the emergence of this disease in West Africa. It was an incredibly difficult weekend. NBC news cameras allowed inside the emergency meeting of the international response team chaired by Dr. Inger Damon. Second patient is uh, expected to arrive tomorrow. The CDC chasing down 22 reports of possible Ebola cases in the United States deemed four worth testing. The three results so far, false alarms. Two were malaria positive and one was influenza B positive. But the biggest concern remains West Africa. 
Ebola has been ravaging West Africa since March and shocked disease specialists when it hopped a border by plane. American citizen Patrick Sawyer flew into Lagos, Nigeria, where he died. Today, we learned the doctor who treated him is infected, bringing the number of cases in Nigeria to four. Nigerian officials are now screening passengers at the airport in Lagos. Dr. Nagar Aliabadi is one of the CDC disease detectives deploying to the region. It is a scary problem, but that, you know, we are doing our best to get it under control over there and just to keep informed. The excitement about the monoclonal antibody treatment at Emory is tempered, Brian, by the fact that Ebola is out of control, a wildfire, if you will, in West, in West Africa. Boy, she's having a hard time with the words. I will, too, tonight, as you can see. It's just the way the brain goes sometimes. <clears throat> so there you go, a little insight into the CDC's Ebola war room. Not a regular room. No, a war room. And now, just in time to not gross them out, Chase is back, so let's do a story on beer. You want to do a beer story on beer? I don't, your mic's off so you can eat. Hello? Hello? Story on beer, yes, America's I believe that was a yes. Beers are now being produced by small local brewers you've probably never heard oh. of, but most people, beer fans especially, do know about Sierra Nevada. It is the largest privately owned craft brewery in the country, and Sierra Nevada founder Ken Grossman is determined to keep it that way by expanding eastward from California. Vicente Arenas has the story. There is a trick to making top-selling craft beer. And it starts with Brian Grossman tasting water. That first drink must be perfect. Water makes up nearly 95% of beer. And this beer here is what now? Uh, This beer right here is actually being packaged today. This is our Vienna Lager. So keeping tabs on the tap ensures his Sierra Nevada beers will taste just right. Bring it up to your nose. That's the purpose of the, the, the glass design is to actually cone in the aroma. Mm-hmm. We're going to smell it. it smells like beer. It. No, we're going to taste it. It's very good. Smooth. Grossman is brewing with the family recipe. The 29-year-old grew up in a brew house. His father, Ken Grossman, started the Sierra Nevada Brewing Company 35 years ago. What do you think got you so interested in craft beer in the first place? When I started, uh, times were were way different. There wasn't a lot of options to get interesting beers in the commercial market. And so I decided I had to brew them myself and started uh, this very small brewery. Um, Pretty much built all the equipment myself and started making beer in 1980. Grossman, a college dropout, built the brewery in Chico, California, a three-hour drive north of San Francisco on the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains. He borrowed most of their startup costs from friends and family. Today, Sierra Nevada is the second largest craft brewing company and the seventh largest brewery in the U.S. Forbes estimates Grossman's net worth at around $800 million. So you've been doing this since the late 70s. You're a pioneer in this business. You know, when we started, there was just a little over 40 breweries in the whole United States, and today there's about 3,000. And we've really uh, played a bit of a role, I think, in helping to grow the, the craft brewing industry and to introduce great beer to a lot of people. Can I get a yeah, picture of course. The 59-year-old Grossman Please. is still promoting the movement he helped build. 
Sales from craft beer from brewers who produce less than 6 million barrels a year now make up nearly 8% of all sales in the U.S. For two weeks, Sierra Nevada has been on a seven-city beer festival tour, along with 700 other small breweries they invited for the ride. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming. The cross-country journey ends tomorrow at Sierra Nevada's brand-new East Coast Brewery in Mills River, North Carolina. When we visited, crews were putting the final touches on the new facility. You look at this place and it's palatial. What's the cost of this? A bit over $100 million we've invested uh, in the site. A hundred million dollars. How long will it take to earn that back? Uh, a number of years. The hops are a flower that give uh, beer. It's very nice uh, bitterness and uh, aroma compounds. Grossman's son, Brian, co-manages the new plant. Uh, we're in our hop freezer right now. Yeah, what's happening in this area right here is Tyler's actually filling a vessel that's called a torpedo. A uh, torpedo is a vessel that we created actually ourselves to give us extra hop aroma in our beers. Unable to meet rising demand in California, Sierra Nevada's expansion east will help produce up to 350,000 barrels of beer while cutting down on energy and shipping costs that add as much as $4 to a case. It looks like you're becoming a big brewer now as opposed to a microbrewer. No, we're, we're still very passionate about beer and we do the same thing we did when we were brewing in five-gallon buckets. And we, we still are true to our brewing roots so we continue to experiment and, and brew great beers. Grossman thought he'd be retired from the beer business by now. Clearly, he's ready for one more round. You make you beer thirsty, Chase? Uh, you know, beer is kind of tasty, you know. <laughs> I see what you did. I get it. I get it. Uh, all right, so by, now... By the way, did you catch the fact that the news was always quick to point out? Uh, and he's a college dropout. Yeah, well... It's like... <laughs> okay, so what are you trying to say? That They're just rubbing it in for those of us who have, uh, which... I oh, you have a college degree? Oh, no, well... Loan, oh. No, loans, debt. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, now that I brought us uh, into a nice, warm, fuzzy state, uh, let's bring it down a little bit. Let's rip it from us. <laughs> let's take this, okay? We're going to take it. Um, let's start with uh, this general who was killed in Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. I can't confirm... That an individual believed to be an Afghan soldier fired today into a group of uh, coalition troops at the Marshal Fahim National Defense University in Kabul City, Afghanistan. There are a number of casualties as a result of the shooting, perhaps up to 15, to include some Americans. Many were seriously wounded. Others received only minor injuries. The assailant was killed. I can also confirm that among the casualties was an American general officer who was killed. Given that the family notification process is not yet complete, I cannot and will not release any additional information about the general. I'm sure you can understand that we want to respect the notification process and the family's privacy at this time. No, they did. Oop, hello. Hi. They did release the name. Boy, I've got to warn you. I'm going to be punchy today. I, I have... Everything uh, okay over there, Chris? No, no, What's no. What's going on, man? Oh, I haven't, I haven't slept well for about a month, and it's getting really bad. So I'm, like, clicking the wrong stuff all the time. So I'll warn you, if I... Because that's not the first time I've actually done that already. It's all right, though. On screen, magnify enhance. So there you go. We lost a general. Uh, and so there is a clip I have in here that kind of goes back over the history of some of the attacks in Afghanistan. And I think that's kind of particularly interesting, but I'll toss that in the uh, overtime so that way you guys can catch that if you want. I wanted to play this clip for you, Chase, uh, before we start working our way in. All right. Uh, 
Just a little. Let's do a little MH17 update right here in the uh, supporter show. All right. Okay. And this is a little uh, firing shots from uh, Russia today, right at the U.S. media. Pow! pow shots fired, Chase. Shots fired. No. Evidence laying blame for the MH17 disaster has erupted out of many countries since the crash on July 17th. It's become a confusing list of evidence and a rather uninteresting blame game before an independent investigation into the crash is completed. The U.S. has released evidence it claims shows it detected a missile launch from a rebel-controlled region of eastern Ukraine at the time of the crash and has pointed to social media as evidence of an SA-11 Buk weapon system being transported across the border from Russia. Ukraine and the West contend the plane was shot down by the rebels with a Russian-supplied missile. Russia has stated a Ukrainian military aircraft was tailing Flight 17 just before it fell from the sky. Then Ukraine published satellite images trying to prove that its own surface-to-air missiles were not in the crash area, in the area of the crash, rather, when the plane went down. Now, the Russian Defense Ministry is the latest to come out to dispute the Ukrainian images, calling them, quote, an exercise in conspiracy theories. Something all sides have said about the other's evidence in some way or another. RT correspondent Irina Galushko reports on Russia's findings. Well, actually, to put it bluntly, they're saying that everything that Ukraine has presented as evidence is, to put it uh, simply, is a lie. And here's why. First of all, we're looking at a group of images that show a different time and date. Why they were presented as evidence by Ukraine is completely unclear. Secondly, there is a group of images uh, which uh, bears a date that was falsified, and that could be proven by detailed analysis of weather conditions on that particular location on that day. Finally, there is a third group of images, which, according to Ministry of Defense show that they have been doctored or altered digitally, obviously played with by the Ukrainian side. On top of that, Ukrainians have alleged that they have images which supposedly show the movement of Russia's military machinery across the border. Now, Ministry of Defense says that the quality of images does not really allow to make that statement. First of all, they do not have a date stamp or it is impossible to say where and when those images were taken because they do not have geographical coordinates on them. None of the images show a road that crosses the border. Therefore, SBU's unsubstantiated claims that the tracks were made by Russian military simply do not hold up to scrutiny. On top of that, the image quality is really poor, and therefore it is impossible to say whether those tire tracks are indeed from a military uh, vehicle and not, for example, from something else. And of course, it is even less possible to say that those vehicles actually do belong to Russia. Thereby, the Ministry of Defense says that all evidence that was presented by Ukraine simply does not bear up to scrutiny. Ouch! That was RT correspondent Irina Galushko. Spanked. What do you think, Chase? What do you think? Um, let me add some salt to this uh, food here because, first off, that's Russia today, right? Mm-hmm. So no doubt they're going to say mm-hmm. that their information's accurate, mm-hmm. but Ukraine's doctored. Mm-hmm. I bet you if we got like uh, Ukraine today, uh, do we have that channel? <laughs> Ukraine, yeah, it's it's called CNN. Oh, <laughs> dang. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I know, I know. It's it's funny because both sides make uh, compelling cases. The yeah. one thing I do like about Rush today is they're like, uh, well, uh, they are at least articulating what their suspicion is. Right. Whereas the Ukrainian side is just like, no, they totally did it. Yeah. Only if we had some sort of independent media outlet. Hmm. That would, I don't know, try to get information from all sides and try to come to a consensus. And piece it together over time. Yeah, I don't, if only, Chase. Only if there was some, something like if that. If only, Chase. 
all right. So while we're talking about Russia, uh, this this clip would have, should have, probably still could make it into the main show. But uh, we're going to play a little more it of the, the, uh, the Cold War kind of building background, oh, and this okay. just this l- listen the to narrative. Okay. listen to how rich and thick and 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 meaty. Uh, full of propaganda this is. It's so tasty and delicious. The crime of the 21st century, computer hacking. Today, we learned that a Russian crime ring has stolen the largest known collection of username and password combinations ever. Jeff Pegues is in Washington with the rest of the story. Jeff? Scott, the hackers targeted 420,000 internet sites of companies large and small. According to Hold Security, the cybersecurity... A private uh, security contracting firm, which, by the way, is charging $120 a month if you want access to this information. Just find out if you've been hacked. They don't mention that in the report, but the company that's releasing this does intend to set up a monthly subscription plan for you to get access to this information. Oh, my God. ...firm that uncovered the theft. More than 1.2 billion records were stolen. Usernames, password information, as well as email addresses that Hold Security says could be used and abused for multiple services. It's like having keys to your house that fit in multiple doors. The theft is believed to be the work of fewer than a dozen members of... Yeah, you know what? Getting my uh, username and password to Twitter is just like getting multiple keys that fit to my doors of my house. Absolutely. It's, it's exactly equivalent. Totally the same. That is not exaggerating at all. No. And I'm not being sarcastic even a little bit right now. No. A Russian crime ring. Scott Hold says that it has been monitoring that group over the last seven months, but is yet to take the information to U.S. authorities. Jeff Begay in our Washington newsroom. Jeff, thanks very much. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Uh, Thank you. So what have they used uh, all of this compromise for? Uh, Twitter spam. In fact, a lot of people are coming out saying this. there's a lot of problems wrong with the story. First of all, the only thing we have tracing this back to Russia is that's where the VPN was terminated at. Oh, well, anybody with a half brain in I know. the IT world would... I know, uh, but it allows us to jump on our two favorite things, cyber war and Russia. We love it. Only, only if you could bring China into that. Somehow, some way. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, we are most of the time we are going after China. That's what we talk about the most in Texas. That's now. right. Uh, okay. So while we're talking about uh, that kind of stuff and hacking, tech titans are talking tough about the NSA. We need That's to a lot of tease. Significantly more transparent. We need to say uh, what data is being given, how many people it affects, how many accounts are affected. We need to be it's Tim clear. Cook. Apple CEO. We have a gag order on us right now, and so we can't say those things. You know, Google is quite Schmidt talking to Hillary companies to what we see as overreach by the NSA. Right. And we all think, for example, that bugging Angela Merkel's phone is, you know, pretty stupid. If I could be blunt, you have an opinion about this? Number one question from Google. Well, yeah. I mean, don't do stupid things. Um, And that doesn't mean we don't need to have a system of surveillance because we do. I mean, I think that has to be accepted. If you don't comply, it's treason. Much of what has been said isn't true. There is no back door. Uh, the government doesn't have access to our servers. No, no. Uh, they would have to cart us out in a box for that. And that just will not happen. We feel that uh, strongly about it. They didn't knock. They didn't call. They didn't send a letter. Schmidt. They just visited. What one request would you make to President Obama or Cameron? Transparency. Yeah. Right. Uh, the right. ability to, one, understand, so we can help our users understand exactly how many requests we're getting, 
um, and or at least the range of types of requests we're getting and how that data is going to be used because we need to be able to rebuild trust with our users. The NSA issues, Zuckerberg. I think, are a real issue, especially for American internet companies. Um, you know, trust is just such an important thing when you're thinking about uh, using any service where you're going to share important and personal information. And, um, and we continue to work to just make sure that we can share everything that the government is asking with us. Of Do you course. feel the trust has been has fallen because of this, Marissa? Um, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think that, and not only within the U.S., but also internationally, certainly there are other countries um, that, that really have concerns about what the NSA is looking at. And, and I think that transparency is something that would really ultimately help this. They didn't knock. They didn't call. They didn't send a letter. Why are they playing this again? They just visited. All right, well, we'll stop it there then. I think it's interesting to hear their comments, but if you want to watch the rest of the clip, there's about another minute to it. You can find it in the supporters' sync. Let's see, what else do they have in here? There's Meyer, there's more Zuck. Might just be more, it might just loop. No, there's more Zuck. That's 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 OG Zuck. There you go. So they're real upset about it, you guys. They're real upset about it. Speaking of big uh, CEOs, this one's, a, this one's a, a little hard. This one's more for their reaction, Chase. I want you to see their faces when they see the news. So did you hear that uh, Rupert Murdoch's uh, Fox was considering buying uh, CNN and uh, t- Time? Yep, and Time Warner, yep. and then he pulled out, right? Yeah, watch the reaction of the Bloomberg's reporters, who uh, you got to figure we're thinking this is a bad deal if this goes through. Watch their, like, elation. 21st Century Fox has just withdrawn its proposal, proposal to, to buy, buy Time, Time Warner. Warner. Yeah, that's Sorry, Corey. They, so they put their broadcast on hold. They're in the middle of a live show when this comes up on their machine. I wow. need to interrupt you. I think that no, Trump's I fire, that. I, I have to say. That's interesting. Um, just and, and that's very interesting. Okay, let me Time read from, for you, uh, from the statement that we're just getting here from the chairman and CEO, Rupert Murdoch. Uh, who says, we viewed a combination with Time Warner as a unique opportunity to bring together two great companies, each with celebrated content and brands. Our proposal has significant strategic merit and compelling financial rationale for our approach, has always been friendly. However, Time Warner management and its board refused to engage with us to explore an offer which was highly compelling. Additionally, the reaction in our share price since our proposal was made undervalues our stock and makes the transaction unattractive to Fox shareholders. He goes on to say these factors, coupled with our commitment to be both disciplined in our approach to the combination and focused on delivering value for Fox shareholders, has led us to withdraw our offer. So again, this news crossing uh, right yeah, now, well, 21st Century Fox uh, is, is withdrawing uh, its, and its offer buying back and six, buying back $6 billion in shares. Right. So, this uh, is, so pretty significant news. And then they go on and freak out for about, uh, let's see, another seven minutes. They freak out so for what, another seven minutes. So this minutes. is basically the equivalent to financial porn. Yeah, they were. Uh, they were. Seem pretty. They seem pretty uh, excited that they weren't. That merger wasn't going through, and I don't necessarily disagree with them about that. I think that would have been awful. Uh, Chase, you want to talk a little Israel? Sure, we have some updates. To yeah, that, we, don't do, we? we do. We uh, do. Let's start with the first. Uh, the uh, you know, it's always weird how when two stories we follow on this show kind of come together. And as the violence in Gaza rages on, new revelations from Edward Snowden show the U.S. is more involved in supporting the Israeli side of the conflict than previously known. Glenn Greenwald reports in The Intercept that the U.S. National Security Agency has had a far-reaching clandestine relationship with the Israeli intelligence service. 
According to the documents dated as recently as April of 2013, the intelligence agencies share surveillance access, interceptions, targeting, language Target. analysis, and reporting on potential threats. The NSA has also at least once provided secret payments of as much <laughs> as half a million dollars in cash to its Israeli counterpart. The NSA, along with its British and Canadian intelligence agencies, have also worked with Arab partners like Jordan and even the Palestinian Authority security forces to get inside spying tips on Middle Eastern targets, which yeah. it then shares with Israel. The documents don't show any instances of the NSA identifying specific Palestinian targets for Israeli forces to strike, but its agreement with Israel does prioritize, quote, Palestinian terrorists as targets of interest. In Glenn Greenwald's opinion, he wrote, quote, that covert support is squarely at odds with a posture of helpless detachment typically adopted by Obama officials and their supporters. <laughs> yeah. Now, the U.S. says Israel has a right to protect itself from Hamas attacks and has called the civilian casualties in the conflict heartbreaking. Real shame. The U.S. has not been completely detached, though. Secretary of State John Kerry has traveled to the region in an effort to negotiate... Sean, that keep going. I don't know. I mean, it's just like some, uh, it's a downer, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, all right, all right. So then they're all there, and then they talk about a protest outside the White House. All right. Well, then moving a couple more Israel. Th- or let me see here. Uh, let my tired brain catch up. Uh, let's see. Doot, 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 doot. I think we got uh, one more Israel. Yo, this one's a good one, Chase. This one's a really good one, actually. Right. So you got a couple of options as a former ambassador who goes on the air a lot. Right. And has to answer a lot of questions about what's going on in Israel. Yeah. From time to time, when you're going on the air as much as this guy is, you got to go on right after Israel's just done something real egregious, like, you know, bombed a UN hospital or something. Yeah, a hospital would something be real bad. something terrible. So uh, when you get to become a seasoned pro, there's a bit of a technique maybe you'd pick up, right? Like a, like a, like a, like a pivot, like a, like a flight or fight response. Or so, deflection. Check out this awesome fancy footwork. Now, watch this knowing what you and I know about video production, yeah, yeah. delays in yeah. link-ups and all of that. Yeah. And then what the end, you tell me if you think this was legit okay. or if this was a shuck and jive. All right. A school, in the UN school, as tragic as that was, um, I personally, I'm not an ambassador anymore. And I, would, uh, I personally expect more from our allies, uh, particularly the United States, to understand that we are in a desperate struggle. With a, a, with a terrorist group that is using the civilian op- uh, population as a human shield, that is trying to destroy this country, an ally of the United States, in fact, an organization that is no different than Al-Qaeda, oh. no different than uh, an ISIS, Woo. that seeks to destroy the civilization of which America is a part. And there are 90,000 young Israelis fighting about an hour south of where I'm fighting right now, and they're fighting not just for Israel. Where he's fighting. They're fighting for that civilization of which America is a part. And, um, you know, every time... Fighting for all of the civilization of which America's a part. That boy, that brings it home. All right, so he's really... This is strong. I would want to end on a nice, strong note like this, right? Yeah. Not some stinker question. Tragic events happened in Afghanistan, and civilians were killed by the United... United Hey, you know what? The U.S. blew up a ton of Iraqis, so why don't you get off our sack, is essentially what he's saying right now. In fact, I'm going to back it up just so you can hear this man say, look, uh, the U.S. killed a bunch of uh, civilians, so it's fine if we do it. um, You know, every time... Tragic events happened in Afghanistan, and civilians were killed by the, United, by the United States accidentally, tragically. The state of Israel did not come out and condemn it, and did not come out and demand an immediate on, investigation. Get off for a and sack. I think, I think that that should be taken into consideration, too. 
All right, so boom, just nailed it right to the U.S., K- kicked him right in the nuts, cross all political look lines. Look on his face, too. He's just yeah. like, yeah, yeah, nailed it. Gotcha. And I, I just have to ask you very briefly, in 10 seconds, were you aware of any eavesdropping of John Kerry by Israeli intelligence? Oh, shit. Oh, that's wait, a... Wait, so, wait, all right. wait, 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 real, real, real quick. Just real, real quick. quick. I, I just want to like, know. And he's, he's looking at her like, you see that face right there? He's like... Bitch, what? are you kidding me? I just I just knocked this out of the park, and then you throw that poop in my lap. So I just like how she goes, all right, real quick, real quick, just 10 seconds. Want to know? <laughs> look, they both look like evil drones, too. And, and what you, are you going to go up against Greenspan's wife? No, you are not going to go up against Greenspan's wife, but you can't answer that question. So as a trained professional, there's only one option left. I, I'm, Andrew, I cannot hear you. I'm sorry. Uh, Michael Oren, can you still hear us in in Tel Aviv? I'm in Tel Aviv. I can't hear you, though. I'm sorry. Do you think that was legit? No. (laughs) I don't think so either. The way... So you notice how... Two things. She said in Tel Aviv, like, to remind us, and then he repeats it. And what's beautiful about it, remember, production-wise, like, he says it as soon as she stops talking. Like, shouldn't, like... There's no... Shouldn't he be talking over her? Shouldn't there be a delay? that is awful. Andrew, I cannot hear you. I'm sorry. Wait, stop. Why would he need to... Why would he need to hesitate? I mean, I would just say, I can't hear you. Yeah, and and why did he say I cannot hear you the second she stopped asking? Like, like, so he just happened. Even though he can't hear her, he just happened to nail the timing right both times. You're and right. they're obviously on yeah. a low latency connection. I mean, that's good. But the fact that he didn't talk over her or talk while she was talking, if he can't hear, that never happens in these kind of situations. Uh, you, Mike, Michael Lauren, can you still hear us in in Tel Aviv? You. I, I, I'm in Tel Aviv. I can't hear you, though. I'm sorry. I'm in Tel Aviv. Like, like they don't know that. But why does he need to hesitate? Like, they don't know that right. he's in Tel Aviv. Why would he even uh, say well, that? Uh, 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 you know how you have that in the lower third, and you just set up the whole interview, and you just throw it to me, and I've just been talking over this connection, and all your producers know where I'm at. i got to mention I'm in Tel Aviv? That's crap. Uh, you, Mike, Michael Lauren, can you still hear us in, in Tel Aviv? You're... Put your head up to your ear. I'm in Tel Aviv. I can't hear you, though. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> just such junk, isn't it? Wow. Is that junk? I love that. I love that. So when the tough gets, when the hard questions come in, which they never do. Oh, yeah. 10 seconds, real quick. 10 seconds. Uh, yeah, just real quick. Real quick. Just, hey, real quick. Uh, all right. Uh, one last Israel. Israel needs to do more to hold themselves to their own standards. The shelling of a U.N. facility is totally unacceptable and totally indefensible. Statements made repeatedly now by the Obama administration on Israel's actions in Gaza, culminating in this from the State Department Sunday. The United States is appalled by today's disgraceful shelling. Now, that's not to say the U.S. hasn't also verbally slammed Hamas and the White House's take on U.S.-Israel relations today. The nature of our relationship uh, is strong and unchanged. But what's also unchanged is the tension that's been there. Analysts say President Obama and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu despise each other. There's a fundamental sense of mistrust. Former State Department insider Aaron David Miller calls the relationship the most dysfunctional ever. Each side thinking the other is ignoring their interests. I think the president looks at uh, uh, Netanyahu. He doesn't 
feel that there's much respect for American interests. And the prime minister looks at the president and considers him bloodless and insensitive when it comes to really understanding Israeli needs. Remember that supposed to be private exchange between the then French president and Obama in 2011. Sarkozy saying, I cannot bear Netanyahu. He's a liar. Obama responding, but I have to deal with him even more often than you. Nothing like an open mic to tell the world how you're really feeling. I'm a strong friend of the state of Israel. On Netanyahu's part, he welcomed Obama's rival Mitt Romney with open arms before mm-hmm. the election mm-hmm. and delivered the president a rather uncomfortable seven-minute lecture in the Oval Office while cameras rolled. As I told you in our conversation, we don't have a lot of margin for error. There's great frustration. Uh, the, the administration's tendency is to make a statement. But the louder they speak... That was it right there when you the did that. the tougher the rhetoric, without some follow-up, the greater the, the gap in the president's credibility. He has less than a 1,000 days remaining in his presidency. He has to choose what issues he wants to push and what fights he wants to have. And picking one with the Israelis, frankly, or at least responding to Netanyahu... Uh, is not a smart fight. The relationship between these two nations remains strong, clearly. The challenge is lasting progress when personalities clash at the top behind the scenes of a conflict. What they uh, didn't say in that report is that Netanyahu reportedly said to uh, the U.S. ambassador, you tell Obama never to question me again. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I might have it. Let me see. I, I might have saved it. Because um, it was like, uh, yeah, it was like, oh, and then and then he got asked about it. And he was like, well, what I really meant is, is what we like to see is the U.S. working with us, uh, not not fighting with us. That's really what we meant. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Obama. Boy, there's some good stuff in the uh, uh, supporters' uh, overtime sync, too. Meanwhile, while America's still writing checks. Yeah. And sending them over. Yeah, there is that. Uh, no, I don't know if I do have that in my oh. overtime. Sorry. Let's see. No, I don't think I do. I got a lot of other stuff in there. I got a lot of other stuff, but not that one. Not that one, Chase. All right, back to the pre-show. We just got a couple more clips, and then we're going to get into the main show. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, so uh, let's cover... I got uh, I got one funny one I want to end on before we start the show. It's kind of funny. I don't know. It's kind of funny. Why don't we do it? Let's roll right. with this. Chase. Yes, sir. Have you ever uh, have you ever met somebody who just keeps falling in the wrong relationships? Yeah, I've met some people like that. They just keep winding up, just going out with the wrong people. Right. Uh, and sometimes these people, you know, it's it's the environment they're raised in. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's maybe themselves. And sometimes sure. yeah. maybe it's the devil. <laughs> Right. Right? Yeah. Could yeah. be the devil sometimes. Could, totally. Yeah. Could be the devil. Yeah, I'll, I'll go along with this. Well, uh, then uh, our buddy Pat Robertson's got uh, a solution for you. Uh. Okay, this is Melody who says, what is God's view on divorce? All of my marriages failed. I tried really hard to make them work, but the last husband wouldn't work or pay the bills, and the guy before him was an alcoholic. Will I go to hell if I marry again? Will I be classified as an adulteress? You know... There was a woman that Jesus met at the well. Uh, she was an outcast, and uh, he said, uh, "He said, I, uh, you know, go call your husband." She said, "I don't have a husband." He said, "You've spoken right. You've had five hundred husbands. The guy you're living with now isn't your husband." 
And uh, on the strength of that, she went and began to evangelize. Come see the man who told me everything I ever did. So he didn't condemn her. But in answer to your question, you've got a serious problem. And I don't think marriage is for you. You have picked a selection of losers. There's something in your character that that draws you to these men who are uh, indigent or abusive. Mm -hmm. You don't need to get married again. Are you going to go to hell? No, but you're making your own hell here on earth. And uh, I don't think your marriage material. And uh, what about the reasons for these marriages to be broken up? You didn't tell me any of that. And um, I don't know whether it was adultery, unfaithfulness, uh, abuse. There's so many things that go on. But just for now, forget marriage. Work out a life for yourself. All right. Get close to the Lord. Get close to the Lord. Amen. (laughs) How about that? I think you and I should do an advice show. Oh, my God. That was like. Brutal. I could, but but I couldn't have said it any better. Cut her down, right? But, I mean, but it's the truth. It is the truth. But no one, nobody likes to say that. Right. I mean, but I wow. I know. Uh... <laughs> wow. Amazing. You know, we tortured some folks. We tortured some folks. We did. That's you know? what. That's what Obama said. Uh, look. Uh, uh, it's clear look. from the IG look. report that some very poor judgment was shown in terms of how that was handled. Keep in mind, though, that John Brennan was the person who called for the IG report. Uh, and uh, he's already st- stood up uh-huh. uh, a task force to make sure that uh, uh, lessons are learned and mistakes are resolved. Um, with respect to the larger point of the yeah. IDI respect to that. Uh, respect. report itself, Yeah. Um, even before I came into office, mm-hmm. uh, I was very clear that uh, in the immediate aftermath of 9-11, uh, we did some things that were wrong. Oh, okay. We did a whole lot of things that were right. You know, like uh, some of our cops ran red lights, you know, to get to the... Yeah, yeah. A lot of things that just totally kind of crossed the line, but look, we're sorry. But... No bigs. We tortured some folks. Oh, shit. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, we... Hold on, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Did you say? Did you say? Excuse me, Mr. President. Did you was say that torture? Because because the way you said that sounds sounded like we like robbed it. some folks. We we ran into we rear-ended some folks. We did like a few accidents lot of things that were right. We did a lot of things that were right. Right. Yeah. We stole candy from a baby. Like that would be those kind of things. But right. we tortured some folks. Whoa! Oh! Whoa! 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 whoa. whoa. Follow-up question, Mr. President. Uh, that's not how you handle that. <laughs> that is not how you handle that. <clears throat> You know, Chase, we you know, tortured some folks. Is, did he drop the mic later and then just walk away? Uh, he did actually do this later. I, 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 I will, I will uh, hold, hold, hold on, guys. Come on. I, the, uh, the, the, there's just... Uh, I, I... <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite new thing, Chase. I will... I will uh, do you have fired up ready to go There's just... Oh, you guys. What the world? What in the world do we live in? What world do we live in? It's crazy. I do have that. I think I took those uh, old folders off. To say ah, that's all right. Bum, 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 bum. But hey, you know what? You got a present out there. Just, uh, he, you know what? He was off prompter. He was off hey, look, prompter. Hey, look. We tortured some folks. Hey, hey, what? No bigs. What, what? We just tortured some folks. 
Yeah, just some folks. Hello, everybody. This is Unfiltered, episode 109 for August 6th, 2014. CIA Director John Brennan apologized today after an internal investigation determined the agency had spied on staff members of the United States Senate, something Brennan had long denied. As far as the allegations of you know, CIA hacking into you know, Senate computers, nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, we wouldn't do that. I mean, that's, that's, that's just beyond the, the, uh, you know, the scope of, of reason. Listening to episode 109 of Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show that's distracting you from all of that TV you shouldn't be watching. Yes, this is Unfilter, and my name is Chris, and joining me every single week is the always righteous Mr. Chase. You know, I have a lot of friends, Chris. Yeah. I don't know if you knew you knew this. No, buddy, I didn't. I have loads of friends, and if you've listened to all 109 you might episodes. Have, you could have a little, people could be, uh, be keeping a collection at home, like a little. Uh, I'm surprised there's not a wiki. A Chase's like, friends list. Chase's friends list. We're going to hear from some of those friends tonight. I know, lots of friends. You know, yeah. my, my number one friend, uh, you know, President. Mr. Barack. Obama, yeah, yeah, he's here. Uh, I, 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 I will, I will, uh, hold, hold on, guys, come hey guys, on. Come on. The, uh, no just, pictures, uh, please. Simmer down, unfiltered. Simmer down. No, no. No, we will not simmer down. we got a big show today. We're going to be talking about the uh, big write-up that came out in The Intercept. The Intercept's back. They're actually releasing... Wait, good information? Chase, breaking news right breaking here. Breaking news, right Fox here. News alert. Whoa! Watch out, ladies and gentlemen, because we've got a brand new terrorist. All right. Well, another leak has surfaced through the intercept that's giving us an inside look at the government's terror watch list. We're just learning that nearly 40 percent of those on the government's terrorist watch list have no affiliation whatsoever with recognized terrorism groups. 40%, 40%, Chase. 40%. 40%. So this, this is big, if you're watching the enhanced feed, the big red area <laughs> right here. Yep. That is the uh, no recognized terrorist group or affiliation. So 680,000 people are caught up in the government's terrorist screening database known. It's a watch list of known or suspected terrorists. You can just be suspected to be on that list. And all these people on this list, they've had due process, of course, <laughs> right? Like, you That's know, adorable. They, they've had a jury of their peers <laughs> or something along those lines. <laughs> you got any other good ones? Uh, you know, well, what about the, the, uh, what is it, the Fifth Wait, Amendment? Hold on, or... uh, hold on, say due process again, I like that one. Oh, what about the people that <laughs> do process? Oh, that's a good one. You alright over there? Uh, so this database is shared with local law enforcement agencies, private contractors, and foreign governments. And I want to underscore, more than 40% of the people on the list are not recognized with any terror group affiliation. That means 280,000 people on this list have no connection to terrorism. Your buddy, Jeremy Scahill, stops by MSNBC. Now, they are the ones, uh, MSNBC are pretty much the only ones talking about this at the time we went on the air. And Jeremy is the one who wrote about it for The Intercept. He goes into how this is a new list. We're familiar with, like, no-fly lists and things like that. This is a separate list. It's called TIDE. And he goes into some details about how there's more U.S. citizens on this list than all other terrorist groups combined. I want to get to a piece you have in The Intercept, um, which is a big story on the president's, uh, this administration's secret terrorist tracking system, and that there are more people on the administration's terror watch list not connected to any known terrorist group than there are from Al-Qaeda, from Hamas, and from Hezbollah combined. 
How and why then are they on the list? Well, you know, there are two sort of main what we call watch lists. One is is what people generally refer to as the watch list. That has about 700,000 people on it. Those are people who actually have been designated through a secret process as known or suspected terrorists. And there's very flimsy standards for getting onto that list. There's another massive classified database called TIDE. And, and that database, basically, you can end up on there because your phone number is in the phone of somebody who we suspect may be talking to someone connected to terrorism. So people get into that. It's a much larger database. It's classified. Um, so what, 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 what that is essentially saying is that the government has around 300,000 people that are categorized in that, in that database as not having any known connection to a, to a real terrorist organization, but they're on, they're on there anyway. And that means that the government can go and collect their biometric data, can access driver's license records, can get passport information on them, can build a sort of pro- profile of you, even if you're in there on very, very flimsy evidence. I, I think that part of the purpose of the expansion of the watchlisting program is to be used to pressure people to become informants for the FBI or the CIA or other entities where they go and they say, you know what, you're on our terrorist list. And this this could cause big problems for you. So we want you to start keeping your eye open at the mosque. And if you see something suspicious, you got to tell us. I mean, this FBI has been very good at breaking up its own terror plots. Oh, ouch. Scathing from Scahill. In 2001, Chris, there were 16 people on the no-fly list, or they called it back then the no-transport list. Yeah, (laughs) that's cute. Last year, the count, 47 Thousand. Wait a minute, I thought you said it was 16 people. That's correct, Chris. That's, uh, that's 1 plus 15. 16 uh-huh. people. Yeah, that's a, that's a list I can right. understand. Uh, and no, it wasn't 47. It didn't go to 47. Yeah. 47,000. That's 47 with three Since zeros. Since 2001? Right. So in 12 years, the, I, whatever, what, what is it, uh, a billion percent? I, I, yeah, pretty a much. Lot, a lot. There, this story itself, the fact that there's this separate tide list uh, with very flimsy reasons to go on, the fact that it's shared with foreign countries and private contractors is concerning. Yeah. But there's also a bit of a B story to this, perhaps maybe the larger story long term. This is a quote from the article at The Intercept that we have linked in the show notes. The documents obtained from a source in the intelligence community also reveal that the Obama administration has presided over an unprecedented, unprecedented expansion of the terrorist screening system. Since taking office, Obama has boosted the number of people on the no-fly list. They, that's just, so this is where they're talking about how they've increased the biometric database, they've increased the people up to 47,000, but I think the throwaway sentence that's in that paragraph is the very beginning. The documents obtained from a source in the intelligence community, i.e. not Snowden. We are getting word that there is a, a new government mole leaking U.S. intelligence documents. Uh, this, of course, comes one year after the controversy involving Edward Snowden. CNN Justice reporter Evan Perez has this exclusive story. He's live with me in Washington. Evan Perez, what do you know? Well, Brooke, you know, there, there's been a lot, of, uh, a lot of speculation in the U.S. government that after Edward Snowden disappeared last year uh, and he turned up in, in Russia last August, that perhaps there could be others out there who might be uh, leaking information or who could leak information. Now we know that they've determined that there is another leaker out there. Now, Ooh. the word of this, uh, the proof of this came in, a, uh, in an article that was uh, published today in The Intercept, which is a, a new website uh, run by Glenn Greenwald. 
who also mm-hmm. published some of the Snowden leaks. Uh, and in that, ar- in that article, they, they cite documents from August 2013, which is after Snowden had already taken refuge in, in Russia. So that is perhaps the best proof that we have yet that there is someone else who's, who's uh, releasing these documents. Now, these documents today in this article have to do with uh, the, the, the databases that the government uses to track and to find uh, uh, suspected terrorists around the, around the world. Uh-huh. Uh, we, we now know that the, the database, uh, which is the biggest database, known, known as Tide, has a million names uh, in it. And that article today in The Intercept uh, first published that information. We've been able to confirm that with U.S. officials, Brooke. Yeah, he says around the world, but check this out, Chase. The second highest concentration of people designated as known or suspected, sorry, suspected terrorists by the government, Dearborn, Michigan. What? Dearborn, Michigan. What? Because they have a high Muslim population there. Oh. So they're doing profiling. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just... They have 96,000 residents. It's the largest percentage of Arab American residents in the, in the U.S. The government adds 900 records each day to the database. Okay. The CIA uses a previously unknown program codenamed Hydra to secretly access the database maintained by foreign countries and ext- extract their watch list and add it to ours. Aww. <laughs> so we go in and we get their database. Sharing is caring. Yeah, we like to share. Uh, the, CIA, the CIA loves to share. Uh, unfortunately, the NSA doesn't love to share. No. The agency that's eroded the meaning of privacy and indiscriminately peered into the lives of millions of citizens around the world is suddenly subscribing to protecting personal information. But only if that person happens to be the former director of the National Security Agency, Keith Alexander. The NSA refuses to release the financial disclosures of the four-star general who, according to reports, is currently raking in some $1 million a month for his cybersecurity consulting services. This has raised ethical questions and concerns that the former spy chief may be selling high-level security secrets and classified information for a lucrative paycheck. Misusing classified information for profit is a federal felony. Critics say the only thing Alexander has to offer potential clients is the state secrets he knows. Investigative journalist Jason Leopold is now suing the spy agency for the release of Alexander's documents, arguing they're being withheld unlawfully. Experts say Alexander's financial disclosures can only be suppressed by the U.S. president. This is just the latest in a string of lawsuits filed against the NSA since former contractor Edward Snowden revealed the agency's global surveillance programs. I like that uh, it requires Barry to hold those records back. Now, former CIA uh, agent Ray McGovern says there's really only one reason he can charge that much. Former CIA officer Ray McGovern thinks that selling classified data is the only possible explanation of General Alexander's supposedly huge profits. To think that General Alexander would have anything in the way of innovative techniques, or would he work in their lab, or would he would come up with new ways to <laughs> yeah, do right. their job? No, yeah. no, no, no. He would sell his previous experience, including classified information, yep. all so that he can enrich himself. Woo! Now, uh, in his defense, and I'm being sarcastic here, uh, generals like like him, uh, four-star generals, only make uh, $220,000 in retirement. So clearly, he needs to supplement his income. 
But a million dollars a month sounds a little excessive. Now, now Chris, uh, we we got an exclusive uh, comment from Barack Obama. Oh, really? Really? I, I was wondering if you could. I, 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 I won't. I won't. Uh, hold, hold, hold on, guys. Come on. I, the, uh, the, the, there's just. Uh, I, I, Speaking of yeah. your buddy Obama <laughs> and that press conference, uh, so I want to play this clip because it's kind yeah. of historical. Right. This is Obama coming out. We've been talking about the CIA report that's going to come out about the tortures activity that took place after yeah. 9-11. And yeah. then we've been building to it. We've been playing clips since March about how the CIA spied on, on the Senate. We're going to get into that in just a second. But as sort of like setting the stage before the report comes out, the president held a press conference and, uh, you know, mentioned we tortured some folks. Yeah. With respect to the larger point of the RDI... Uh, now, we got to start by defending John Brennan. John Brennan is the guy that runs the CIA. So i got to make sure, since he's the real president of the United States, that we uh, <laughs> give him some credit. Report itself. Um, even before I came into office, uh, I was very clear. Yeah, look, I've always said it all along. I'm, not, I'm anti-torture. That... Uh, in the immediate aftermath of 9-11, uh, we did some things that were wrong. You know, just some things. Ran some red lights, some things. Yeah. We did a whole lot of things that were right. Yeah. But we tortured some folks. Whoa, whoa, oh, whoa, whoa, what? whoa, what? I'm what? sorry, what I'm was sorry, that? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry, we did what? We, Mr. President? We uh, rear-ended somebody? We, we did something right. What? We did a whole I, wait, lot of things that right. were right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay we got but the right part. We tortured okay. some folks. Whoa, whoa, what? I'm sorry. What? We did some things that were contrary to our values. Yeah, and our laws. I understand why it happened. So when he says this, when he goes through this, uh, listen to this. This is the pre- this is not some guy. It, but is he insinuating it though that well since it wasn't under his watch? I I believe what he's saying is because we were real scared, it's okay. It's not it's not against the law, it's against our values. Uh, we did some things that were wrong. We did a whole lot of things that were right, yeah. but we tortured some folks. Whoa! We did some things that were contrary to our values. I I feel like the president of the United States approaching this like this is essentially writing a blank check to any future government agency who finds themselves in a post-emergency situation can just go whole hog, and then eight years later, the president will come out and say, yeah, well, I mean, we tortured but, some folks, but, the, but we were super scared. Yeah, the thing is, though, he is speaking for a former presidency, right? By saying that, yeah, the ones that he should be throwing their asses in jail, right? You're right. And the thing is, he's he's kind of it's he's doing this weird misdirection kind of a thing. It's like, probably well, because they're torturing folks right now. Yeah, good point. I understand why it happened. Yeah, uh, it's fine. I, I think uh, it's important. Uh, when we look back to recall how afraid people were. I mean, you know what? Like, uh, it's fine because we were scared. Uh, yeah. After uh, the t- Twin Towers uh, fell and, and the Pentagon had been hit and the plane in Pennsylvania had fallen and people fallen. did not know uh, whether more attacks were imminent. Uh, and there was enormous pressure uh, on our law enforcement and our national security teams to try to deal with this. Uh, and, you know, it, 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 it's important for us not to uh, feel too sanctimonious in retrospect. I just cannot believe this. I feel pretty damn sanctimonious right now. 
So the next line he's going to tell us is they're going to put charges on the people. We're going to have reforms, right? Right. We're going to demonstrate to the American people. About the tough job that those folks had. Oh, And a lot of those folks uh, uh, were working hard under enormous pressure. Oh, well. And are real patriots. But having said all that, we did some things that were wrong. My bad. That's what that report reflects. And that's the reason why after uh, I took office, one of the first things I did was to ban uh, some of the extraordinary interrogation techniques. Some of them, That are the subject of that report. Not all of them. So uh, the White House has leaked their uh, PR talking points memo they want people to follow. And uh, State Department document obtained by the Associated Press. And by obtained, they mean one more email to copy. Uh, the, <laughs> the Obama administration is attempting to sort of put this in a certain light. Uh, in fact, uh, the fact that all of this is even happening is a great example of how Americans' democracy works. Uh, in fact, uh, they're not proud, it goes on to say, of the CIA's tactics. But the story of illegal, indefinite torture and imprisonment is part of a larger message, one in which America's democratic system worked just as it was designed to work in the beginning to end actions inconsistent with our democratic values. That story, the document proclaims, is one in which Americans can take pride. You know, Chris, the document also writes up questions from the press yes. and members of Congress yes. that are likely to be asked right. after the report yeah, is released. You want to read one? Yeah, yeah. These, these are great. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple of questions okay. here. Okay. Chris, now that the report is released, is the White House prepared to concede that the people were tortured, or will these be like the non-coup uh, in Egypt where you won't admit the obvious? I will hold on, hold on. guys. Come on. I, the, uh, there, there, there's just... Uh, Mr. Mr. President... I, I, Mr. President, will the Justice Department revisit its decision not to prosecute anyone? Uh, Chase, uh, uh, look, Chase, what are you still trying to hide? These are actual questions, by the way, on the talking points, Doc. He's a jackass. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I know, I know. <sighs> wow. Yes, there you go. Uh, they also talk about how an act of Congress helped clear this up. Well, the act of Congress they'll be referring to, you'll probably get, you'll hear that get mentioned. Uh, that's the uh, Detainees Treatment Act. It was legislation passed in 2005. It was almost four years after the launch of the Retention and Detention and Interrogation Program, not two that they claim in the document. So get ready for some of that crap, too. There's a lot of, like, uh, they, they try to put dates and stuff. They give McCain a bunch of credit for almost overwhelmingly backing uh, uh, a bipartisan way to fix this. Like, there's a lot of uh. a lot of circle jerking going on for people that were likely involved. Uh, and now let's talk about the study itself. So if right. you recall, the study itself has been a, a source of a lot of controversy. Supposedly there's going to be a report. Feinstein got all fired up, took to the floor. We've talked about that before. It's the spies versus the Senate. In January, the CIA accused Intelligence Committee staffers of improperly accessing classified files while investigating the CIA's harsh interrogations of al-Qaeda prisoners. Senators fired back, accusing the CIA of spying on the committee's investigators. An allegation CIA Director John Brennan flatly denied. As far as the allegations of you know, CIA hacking into you know, Senate computers, nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, we wouldn't do that. I mean, that's... that's that's just beyond the, the, uh, you know, the scope of, of reason. But the CIA's own inspector general determined the agency did spy on Senate investigators. <laughs> IG findings released today revealed five agency employees improperly accessed committee files. 
and reviewed some of the emails of committee staff members. In addition to his apology, Brennan ordered a broader internal review. On Capitol Hill, Senate Intelligence Chair Dianne Feinstein said in a statement, these are positive first steps. This IG report corrects the record. Now, all of this is preliminary to the main event. The committee's long-awaited report on the interrogation program itself is expected to be released in the next week or so. And, James, it's expected to be highly critical of the CIA's actions after 9-11. Mm. I, have, uh, an extended, uh, I have an extended version of uh, the report in the overtime folder that talks about why Feinstein is pushing to actually not release it right now because she's not happy with the redactions. And this clip with your buddy Jeremy Scale kind of goes Good into... Friend. Like, maybe why that's bullshit, and also why Dick Cheney, even though he puts on a big front like he hates Obama, Dick Cheney is probably the happiest guy in America that Obama's president right now. I am absolutely committed to declassifying that report uh, as soon as the report is completed. We will uh, declassify those findings uh, so that... uh, the American people uh, can uh, understand uh, what happened in the past, and that can help guide us uh, as we move forward. That was President Obama nearly five months ago. The report he is referring to, the Senate's 6,000-page report on the CIA's detention and interrogation program, the one that reportedly concludes that the CIA's use of waterboarding and other harsh interrogation methods produced little to no valuable intelligence, the report that asserts the CIA repeatedly misled the White House, our Congress, and the American people on the program, that report has been complete and ready for declassification for over four months now. And it has still not been made public. And by the looks of it, that is not going to happen anytime soon. Oh. Yesterday, one week after receiving redactions to the report from the White House and the CIA, the chair of the Intelligence Committee, Senator Dianne Feinstein, said she would not make the report public with the current redactions. In a statement, the senator wrote that certain redactions eliminate or obscure key facts that support the report's findings and conclusions. She added, this process will take some time and the report will not be released until she is satisfied that all redactions are appropriate. Oh, of course. Many of the redactions were reportedly made to pseudonyms used in the report for covert CIA personnel or for foreign countries. But pseudonyms weren't the only things that were blacked out. U.S. officials familiar with the redacted document told the Washington Post that the administration stripped out material that showed that pieces of information long attributed to detainees had actually come from other intelligence sources. A former federal official familiar with the contents of the report, told McClatchy that he was skeptical of the redactions. The story is partially about names and places, he said. With the pseudonym redactions, he continued, all of a sudden, you wouldn't be able to tell that story. Essentially, it just becomes a bunch of verbs. Something was done, but nobody didn't did it, and it wasn't done anywhere. Joining me now is author of the book Dirty Wars, investigative reporter for The Intercept, Jeremy Scahill. Chase's Jeremy, buddy. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So let's first hey, talk about uh, the purpose of blacking out all of the names and countries if they're pseudonyms. What's the downside there? Right. Well, I mean, first of all, let's remember President Obama used this term when he talked about torture. You know, he said, you know, we, yeah, we did torture some folks. Yeah. The whole this tone, was last Friday. Right. This was last Friday. The tone that we're getting from the White House, and let's remember, we're 
we're talking about heinous acts of torture against people. But the, the tone from the White House is on the one hand, yeah, we, we, we tortured some folks, you know, yeah, we killed some folks. Yeah. And then on the other hand, they, what, what, the, what they're basically doing is allowing these potential criminals, people who could potentially be indicted if we, if we actually want to fo- follow the rule of law in this country regarding torture, by redacting it, they are covering up uh, not only the crime, but for the individual criminals. My understanding is that there are somewhere in the ballpark of 200 people employed by the CIA who were part of this program. This should be a massive criminal probe. What, what essentially we have, Alex, is a dictatorship of the executive branch of government uh, when it comes to national security policy. And this administration has continued the Bush administration assertion that essentially when you're in the White House, you can control all of this. And that's not true. There's a reason we have three branches of government and they're there to have Dianne Feinstein right. this furious. And she, you know, people, there's this whole story about Dianne Feinstein is at a war with the CIA. The CIA and Dianne Feinstein have, had, have historically had a very cozy relationship. But for her to now be on the war path against them is yes. very significant. I feel like the pushing of the envelope is evident with the behavior of Dianne Feinstein, who has alternately been incredibly combative in public with the CIA, which is incredibly uncommon. And at, t- at times accepting, but this seems like a bridge too far. If I mean, what, what could happen? Remember, Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon, who's been on the Intelligence Committee since 9-11, has sort of implied that he may use various procedures to actually put this report on the public record. Now, I'm not saying he's going to take that sort of nuclear option, but if it, if it gets pushed like this, if Dianne Feinstein jumps into that camp, the White House has a very serious problem on its hands. You, you, have, um, you, you, have, you, you assert that the, the, this, pre- this presidency has exceeded the bounds of authority. Connor Friedersdorf in The Atlantic talks about the expectations when Obama first came into office ending the Bush era torture program and how that has actually served in some ways perhaps as a smokescreen for this, the current administration stance. I'll read an excerpt. Obama is using rhetoric and drawing on the credibility he gained by opposing torture to present what the Bush administration did in more flattering terms than reality justifies, even as he continues letting the CIA repress much of the Senate torture report. When elected, he promised hope and change, not equivocation and whitewashing. Those are, that is a pretty Steering indictment no, and of the I, president. I, I not only agree with that, um, you know, look, Dick, there's this sort of thing, this farce playing out where Dick Cheney can't stand Obama and Obama's, you know, weakening the country. There are probably few people in this country more happy than Dick Cheney that Obama is. owed in a greater power. favor. Right. So Dick Cheney's out there in Wyoming fly fishing, but privately he knows that had a Republican won, a John McCain won, uh, they would have never been able to continue the, the torture program, albeit through different means, expand the drone program. Obama has cleaned up the empire, so to speak, for the Cheney-Bush program when it comes to these core issues, and he's the chief defender now of the people that they all illicitly authorized to torture people on behalf of the American taxpayer. Hello, everybody. (laughs) You know what always bothers me about this, Chris, Mm. is you you hear about Feinstein getting all riled up, all ready to go. Well, no. And you know what bothers me is like, okay, so in order for us to actually get our hands on this report and find out what our representatives did on on, in our name, we're we're dependent on Feinstein. Like, like that is freaky as hell. And this is the same gal that is going to get all up in arms over the Senate spying stuff. Yeah. But doesn't come to our defense as normal Americans when we're getting spied upon. Right. I just find that completely ironic. I wonder how she feels about John Kerry getting spied upon. The German magazine Der Spiegel has reported Israeli intelligence eavesdropped on Secretary of State John Kerry's phone calls during his intense efforts to broker a Middle East peace deal. Yeah, yeah, get this. So this is this is what we do know. Uh, is, in, Israeli intelligence intercepted phone calls from John Kerry to help uh, sort of mold their peace talks, right, their negotiations. Now, here is the rumor. 
All right, what's the rumor? The rumor is that Israel shared these calls with Russia. What? This is coming from a Russian official. Uh, this is uh, okay. coming right. off of the report from Der Spiegel. Uh, this is from a reporter who says he has a highly placed source uh, in the Israeli governments and the Russian governments. Uh, they say while uh, Kerry's position on the Israeli-Palestine ta- peace talks was Israel's number one priority, right. Russia's number one priority was to learn U.S. plans and positions regarding the Ukrainian separatist movement and Russia's involvement with it. The source had this to say. It's a fruitful, ongoing joint venture initiated by Lieberman, Thanks to his Moscow connections, Israel provides Russia with recordings of intercepted calls Kerry makes while flying over the Middle East, and Russia provides Israel with recordings of calls that he makes when he's flying over Central Asia, the Far East, and the Pacific Ocean. The source wow. notes this joint venture became extremely important to Moscow since last February when the Ukrainian crisis started. <sighs> they consider the collaboration to be fruitful on both sides. You think it's true? That's some that it's a, it's it's a little bacon. I'll be honest. Yeah, it feels baconish. It does. But you got two countries. Maybe their interests align on this particular. Maybe thing. replace Russia with China, and you got yourself a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Or replace Israel with China. I can totally see those two guys working together. Yeah. So we got more information about that new leaker in the show notes too. That's not bacon. That's legit. Sounds like we're going to be watching that story. Totally. Uh, the intercept is you know Grant, Glenn Greenwald's been oh yeah we might have a new leaker but the intercept's the one re- printing this saying it's a yeah. source yeah totally so I wonder if that's got to be making the folks in the government poop a little bit <laughs> right they got to be pooping I would yeah think. but you know what Someone's another Snowden have... you know what I I don't think anybody would be I don't know if if I was a government employee and if I was going to work secrets out I would go through somebody else so what I would do is I would pass yeah what I have to somebody right. else some and patsy have, right like yeah have proxy. you seen House yeah. of Cards yeah 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 they do that uh, all right uh, look uh, we got to move on to another topic we got this is I feel like we're kind of rushing through some of this Russian <laughs> but there's just so much going on in a week uh, and the supporter show is going in deeper so if you are an unfiltered supporter yeah. there's a lot more information in fact this is probably a good spot to stop and mention the way the unfiltered show is structured and I want to make it I, you know what the, we had a couple of supporters say hey guys keep it brief would you and you know we had such a good showing and I want to say a special thank you everybody too for the great show. And 14 patrons, so thank you guys very much. If you'd like to keep the Unfiltered show on the air, patreon.com slash unfilter. Should yep. we just leave it at that? Yep. We'll just as a thank you to our patrons, we'll keep it short this week. Right. As the, only short re- and sweet. the only reason why we like to mention it is because of all the great perks you get. You get the perks. You get the, the Very good perks. perks. You guys know about the perks, and if you're not an Unfiltered supporter, ask a supporter about the perks. <laughs> go find us. <a>, go, <laughs> go ask a local supporter. It's, it's <laughs> just like the local farmer's market. <laughs> the market, no. All right, so let's move into Cold War 2.0. This uh, week, we had more sanctions rolled out, and finally sanctions that really seem to be biting. The full details have now come out about what the latest round of sanctions entail. Um, What we're looking at is it targets three main sectors of the Russian economy. Now, in terms of the banking sector, we've seen sanctions slapped on five of Russia's biggest banks, including the biggest Sberbank, which will stop them from uh, being able to to sell bonds to European investors. With regards to the energy sector, what we're going to see is um, 
anybody who wants to provide equipment, technology towards Russia, um, they're going to have to get approval. We're looking at things here like the uh, continued exploration for oil in the Arctic. Uh, that could be affected by this. And when it comes to defence, well, there is a, a ban on import and export of arms into Russia. However, that isn't retroactive. None of these are. Any deals that have gone on in the past, any deals that have been agreed, they'll all be fine and be allowed to progress. But they, that's basically the brass tacks of what, um, of what these latest sanctions entail. These latest sanctions finally got Putin's attention. Uh, he said that Russia should signal that these it finds these economic sanctions offensive, uh, but it wants to do he wants to do so without he says harming Russian consumers. The political tools of economic pressure are unacceptable and run counter to all norms and rules. He was quoted by saying Russian news agencies. Wow. Yeah, he's not happy. He's not happy. And so, and in a response to that, uh, he's been going out and making some deals. Now, Putin himself. Uh, he his his approval rating is actually quite high, but now that you're starting to see these sanctions start to bite, you have to wonder what's the U.S.'s plan here. Why are we why are we pushing Europe to these sanctions so bad? Are we trying to make the situation bad for Putin? Their economy is tanking, right. so that's what it's designed to do, and we'll keep up in the pressure. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Marie Harf. She's the spokesperson for the State Department, and she just said that the sanctions are designed to tank Russia's economy. Let's play that again. Because that would seem like an act of war to me. Their yeah. economy is tanking. So that's what it's designed to do, and we'll keep up in the pressure. Yeah, wow. that's what it is. So, of course, uh, Matt picks up on that. He's He works for the AP. He's at the State Department hearing. They do these every single day. They're posted up on YouTube if you'd like to watch them. If you have any realistic expectation that this is going that to, that this latest round is actually going to do what you say you well, want it to do. Well, I mean, the, the point here is to continue upping the pressure and increasingly squeezing them economically so that President Putin will make the right decision here. But if he doesn't, uh, we will continue putting the pressure on him. I mean, look, the fact that even before yesterday, nearly $100 billion in capital was expected to flee Russia. At some point, I think the Russian citizens are going to be pretty unhappy that because of his actions in the region um, and other countries, their economy is tanking. So that's what it's designed to do, and we'll keep upping the pressure. These are three key sectors yesterday. That's what it's designed the to do. firms in these sectors uh, really want access to the U.S., really want access to the EU, and, and are going to feel the pressure. So, you did, so does that mean the, 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 the intent of these sanctions is to, using your words, tank the Russian economy? The purpose of these sanctions is to put enough pressure on the Russian government that eventually President Putin will change his, his calculation. Right. You, you, Marie, you said tank the Russian economy, and you're yeah. the spokesperson for the State Department of the United States of America. But if he doesn't, he's going to face a situation where the people of his country who've worked so hard to be part of the international community won't be. Because and he can, he can face those consequences. Because, you, because your sanctions have affected them have very negatively affected the russian economy so matt, does matt sound like he's buying this at all like no. he's like this does not make sense well so so <clears throat> so in fact you're 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 saying that the goal here is to make it uh, painful on the russian people not at all uh, that is okay. not what i said yes, it is. Exactly, exactly what you exactly said. what you said
like, I will repeat it for you yet again. Yeah. Is to put enough pressure on the Russian government uh-huh. that they change their calculation okay. and do different things. And that pressure is coming because you're screwing over the Russian people. In the future. Has the, Part ha- of how that happens is the people of Russia say, look, I don't want to not have access to the international financial system because President Putin is off trying to invade other countries. You know, that's very true. Just yesterday, I was like, God, I'm so glad I have access to the international financial system. Yeah. That's but, part of what can affect a leader's calculation, which I know you're very well aware of. Yeah. A leader's uh, calculation. <clears throat> excuse me. Yes, I am. But is the, is the goal right now, then, to drive the Russian economy into recession? Because no. a lot of people say the that that's what... The goal is... To- yes, it is. She just touted how their $100 billion was about to leave the economy. She was just bragging about that. Is to pressure the Russian government to change their behavior. Have you come to the conclusion that getting to that point would will require putting driving the Russian economy into recession? No, I, that's too simplistic. What we've always said is the longer sanctions are in place, the more impact <laughs> they have. too simplistic. No, I'm not. I mean, that's just what I said, but that's, no. <laughs> and we want that to change the, their The president yesterday was asked if this is a new Cold War. He said no. This no. is a very specific set of circumstances. But whether or not it is or isn't a, uh, a Cold War or a new Cold War, it certainly looks like an economic war. Um, Yep. Whether war is the right term or not, you are trying to negatively affect the Russian economy to put pressure mm-hmm. on the government. To, how Dear, is that uh-huh. not an economic yeah. war? How is that not a new east-west, since the Russians are, I mean, since the Europeans are on board with you, too? How is that not a new east-west well, conflict? We put sanctions on a number of countries. Conflict. This is a tool we use all across. <laughs> Do you hear how she talks? Yeah. I mean. You know, Chris, we you know we put lots of sanctions on lots of countries. Do you think she believes what she's saying? Part, yeah, I think so. I think she's that delirious. New she feels that east way. west since the Russians are. I mean, since the Europeans are on board with you too. How is that not a new well, we put east west on a number of countries conflict? This is a tool we use all across the globe. Oh, I understand that, but like, this is she sounds like the kid. That's in the classroom yeah. trying to be smarty to the teacher. Right. Well, you know, teacher, they put sanctions on other countries. This, Intentionally. Isn't, this isn't an east-west issue. Well, okay, well, you know, you put sanctions on the Venezuelans. You just announced that this Those morning. Those aren't sanctions, technically. Well, they're travel bans. See they're what I mean? Those do not affect. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. The, whatever, but they are mm-hmm. steps. They are uh-huh. measures that you mm-hmm. take to mm-hmm. show your displeasure. That's what you're doing with these sanctions as well. This, the, the travel bans and visa bans on people do not impact entire economies. They impact targeted, specific targeted individuals. Your, the sanctions that you guys and the Europeans have put in place are intended to affect a broad swath of right. Russia's economy. Right. But it's right? not about an east-west. We've also done that in Iran. We've done it in North Korea. We've done it elsewhere. It has nothing to do with east-west or some weird Cold War. So you're at war with Wait, Look how well we've handled North Korea. Because technically, uh, there's still a war happening there. Weird Cold War. Some weird Cold War. I don't know what you're talking about. So, look, we're just putting economic sanctions, trying to make the Russian people hate their leadership. Te- hey. Technically, Chris. Technically. Technically. It's not some weird Cold War. A rollback that President Putin wants to somehow like return to. Okay, so you're not just in a you're not just at war with economic war with Russia. You're also in economic war with Iran, with North Korea, no. with with all we these. We believe that sanctions are an incredibly effective and important tool mm. to change that can impel countries to change their behavior. But you would also admit that thus far your sanctions have not changed the Russian behavior, correct? Well, that's and I've also said last week that we don't know what they would have done if we hadn't. I love that ending logic. There. I cannot. This she. Wow. I know, right? 
She gets the all star of the day. I, 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 I will, I will uh, hold, hold, hold on, guys. Come on. I, the, uh, the, the, there's just. Uh, I, uh, so, uh, Germany is also blocking the delivery of some military parts to Russia, which will prevent them from opening up a training school. Uh, so, Germany is starting to get in on it. However, Vlad is not, not sitting this out. Uh, Putin just signed a historic $20 billion oil deal with your buddies, Iran. <laughs> That's right. Iran, a $20 billion oil deal with Iran. Uh, the trade deal with Iran will see Russia sidestep Western sanctions on Iran's energy sector and obviously Russia's as well. Under the five-year accord, Russia will help Iran organize oil sales as well as cooperate in the oil gas industry, construction of power plants, grid supply of machinery, consumer goods, and architectural – or I'm sorry, ar- agricultural products. Wow. That's – wow. Yeah, but that's if that's not good enough uh, – but wait, Russia just more. signed another deal. They just they just inked a forty billion dollar deal with India. Wow! Yeah, Russian Vladimir Putin and India's Prime Minister are expected to announce in a couple of days a massive natural gas deal during their summit later this year. This is according to India's media on Monday. Russian and Indian officials are negotiating a forty billion dollar natural gas pipeline that would run from Russia to India, according to the oil ministry officials that told Indian Daily Hindu Hindusin Times. I think. Uh, I think so. Might be getting the paper wrong, yeah. but yeah. So, Hindustan. Uh, in, in since our last episode, they inked a twenty billion dollar deal with Iran and a forty. They're inking a forty billion dollar deal with uh, India. Those Brinks countries, man, they're just uh, just racking it up, man. Russia will supply forty six million uh, tons of oil to China each year. By the way, for the next twenty five years, remember they just signed that deal right, yep. like two weeks ago. Right. Huge freaking deal for tw- a twenty five year deal to supply China with oil. Uh, so yeah, is the e- so I guess Russia really knows how much oil and gas they have. Yeah, I, God forbid that's, they. That's what they have. <laughs> I know. I mean, God for. Well, I mean, God forbid they oversell, right? Oh no, dude, Russia's huge, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's huge, and this yeah. is what they've got, and they're willing to go up into the Arctic for it too, and be you know probably kill a lot of people trying to get it. So uh, it's. But I think what you're seeing here, as we use our financial system as a weapon, you start to see Beijing and India and and Moscow start to work together. To sort of just work the West out. Like, they don't need the West. Right. $40 billion deal with India. But $20 billion do you deal with Do you think, though, eventually, though, this, this... I don't know. I mean, these deals are great and all, but what if you can't get goods great. in your... Great. Oh, they're just wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're great and all until you can't... What are you going to spend the money on if you can't get goods and there's other blockages <laughs> and things like that, I don't right? think they're too worried about it. Okay. I, re- I just think it's weird. I, oh, I okay, all right, listen. It's not weird. It's obvious. It's totally exactly what... It seems right. It seems so obvious that if Putin says, all right, well, if my deals in, in Europe and the U.S. aren't going to work out that well, I'll just go talk to these other guys who also have a bone to pick with the U.S. It right. seems obvious. Yeah, they're my neighbors. They're close by. Yeah. I, can, I can take care of it. Yeah. And if I got that pipeline running through Ukraine... I got that pipeline. Then I'm ready to go. Yeah, so there you go. Oh, isn't that something? It's, it's, it's big money. Yeah. And that's the thing is like in, 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 in the shadow of the Ukrainian conflict and all that's going on, you look at these massive oil pipeline deals and you really kind of start to see these are the big numbers that are what actually moving the say? chest pieces. Yeah, what do I always say? Chase, I, I believe you always say the more you know, right? No, is that what you... <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I, no, is it... Uh, yeah. Show me the money! 
That's what it always comes down to. You're right. You're right. I mean, uh, yeah. And, and don't forget, and not only they got the, the, what, 20 billion from one deal, 40 billion from another, they also have 1 billion passwords, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> right. Of course. Yeah. So, 1.4 1. billion, I yeah, believe. Yeah. So, uh, that's pretty scary. Yeah. You got to watch out, Chase, because your account might have gotten hacked. Well, my, my, my password is password. Oh, well, then you're probably fine. Oh, okay. Fair. Yeah, if your password's password, I don't think you have to worry about it. Yeah, in fact, I'm double-checking right here. Yeah. Uh, it says here, as a matter of fact, Chase, uh, if your password is password, you are fine. Oh, very good. Yeah, so there that's you good go. To know. And I also use Keybase, so that's fine, too. Oh, I'm a LastPass guy myself. Well, no, I'm talking about the Keybase for, for encrypting messages. But no, I use LastPass. Oh, Keybase.io. Yes, very very yeah. nice, sir. Very nice. Okay, all right. Yes. Uh, you know, we, we have a lot we could continue on. In fact, the over, I'm reviewing the overtime folder right now to see if there's anything that like we just have to play. Right. Uh, and I don't... I think I think I want to leave most of it in there for you guys and uh, check out the uh, check out the pre-show folder too. I do have a clip about that hacking spree. Ooh. Do you want you want me to play? Yeah, that? let's right. let's hear about that. It is becoming the crime of the 21st century. All right, let's see. What do you think it is? What do you think it is? Let's uh, see. The crime of the 21st century. Uh, Could it be uh, identity theft? Uh, uh, slave trading. Um, drug illegal drug trade. Mm, uh, no, something no. with pharmaceuticals. Well, perhaps, yeah, maybe. maybe, maybe people are going up to Canada to buy buy drugs. Yeah, all right, okay. Let's see what it is. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's one of those. Yeah, computer enough. hacking. What? Today, we I learned that, that from a like Russian crime has stolen the largest known collection of username and password combinations. And by Russian crime ring, we mean they had a VPN that went to Russia. <laughs> they put right on it. Jeff Begays is in Washington with the rest of the story. Hey, Jeff. Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Scott, the hackers targeted 420,000 Internet sites of companies large and small. According to Hold Security, the cybersecurity firm that uncovered the theft. Yeah, you guys need to go look into Hold Security. Hopefully we'll talk about this more on TechSnap tomorrow. These guys are charging to, act, to get access to the data. And the data that they appear to have from this group is like they went out and this group themselves bought up username and passwords that have leaked. And they were they were involved in Twitter spam. That's who we're dealing with here. More than 1.2 billion records were stolen usernames, password information, as well as email addresses that Hold Security says could be used and abused for multiple services. It's like having keys to your house that fit in multiple doors. Just like that. Just exactly like that, Chase. No, it's not. Chase, uh, it's just like having keys that go to... No, no, no. no. The theft I don't believe is him. believed to be the work of fewer than a dozen members of a Russian crime ring. Scott Hold says that it has been monitoring that group over the last seven months, but is yet to take the information to U.S. authorities. <laughs> We're going to sit on it. Newsroom. Jeff, thanks very much. Well, dude, they wanted to charge $120 a month for, to get to sell access to it. So if wait, so so if this is all happening, I mean, where's my government to protect me, Chris? <laughs> well, Keith Alexander's uh, out making deals right now, Chase. He's been a little busy. Is he making like a million dollars in a, a yeah. month or something? Well, like I'm that? sure he'll get back to this real soon. Yeah, real quick. Hey, should we end on a high note? We always should. Uh, you know, uh, you might you because we're not there, and this is going to happen here too. It probably kind of already does. Yeah. Uh, Colorado, if you're there locally, their local news is freaking the F out about the roads, like pot drivers on the road. Yeah. And uh, this clip from CBS News tells us not only is it a problem with pot drivers on the road, but think about how bad the situation is for the states nearby. In Colorado, recreational pot use is now legal, but federal law says any marijuana bought there has to be used there. A recent study found people from other states may make nearly half of all purchases. Barry Peterson drove... 
So so this they're saying, according to the police, that half of purchases are made from folks out of state. Do you not, think not surprising? Do you think that? Yeah, I don't think that, I don't find that to be too surprising no. either. I don't no. know if I believe it's half, but I, I, I like here in Washington, I would not be surprised at all if folks drove up from Oregon to you buy know, something. Oregon, Idaho. Yeah. I mean, uh, Vancouver, even. BC. Yeah, drove to Kansas to see what those customers are doing. 10-4, and there's somebody actively breaking into it. We'll head that, that way. 10-4, good buddy. There is trouble in Cheyenne County. Sheriff Cody Beeson moves fast. This is, is he driving? Real job. This is our real drive. It's, it's a Ford Explorer. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's not anything. It sounds this is, beefy. This is really what people... This is what I'm paid for. This is what people expect. This is what people expect. Scene. Scared kids, but no burglar. We can't ignore the marijuana. So it's it's uh so he's on a ride with this guy, but he's not actually at a pot bust. He's just at a burglary. But they're talking about pot. But but wait, he just said you can't ignore. Can you back it up? Yeah, yeah, I'll back it up. Yeah, yeah. And they're showing they're showing like pictures of pot. At the scene, scared kids, but no burglar. We can't ignore the marijuana. It's just hard to justify pulling resources away from things like this to put them on the highway to just strictly find marijuana coming in from... That's always been my point, too, so don't do it. Colorado. Life in Cheyenne County is more about cows than cannabis. Ah! Now, this part of the Old West is on the front line of marijuana's new frontier. Pot is legal in nearby Colorado, but when it leaves the state, it often travels across remote highways in Kansas. Oh, my gosh. In 2013, the federal Rocky Mountain high-intensity drug trafficking area calculated 288 cars smuggling Colorado marijuana. Now, so this unit, uh, their whole thing is to bust people. They're driving with weed and stuff on the roads. And they calculate 288 people cross the state borders. How do they know that? Because they completely made that number up. Across state lines. That may not seem like much, but experts estimate that they are only catching 10%, meaning 90% of illegal trafficking is going unnoticed. So they're assuming that they're catching 10%. So the number they came up with is based on uh, the assumption that they're missing 90%. Tom Gorman is the agency's director. How far is this marijuana going? Is it just like next door to Kansas, or is it going farther than that? We've documented 40 different states that it's gone to. Does that make you uncomfortable you've spent your whole life as a cop you're right it makes me darn uncomfortable there's weeds in 40 states either we're a country of the laws or we're not ems arrived on scene fire arrived on scene we helped with the injured individual a car crash last year in sheriff beeson's county i love this one we have a link in the show notes that talks about this car crash this has been the poster car crash that colorado's local media because the guy crashed into like two cop cars yeah. And when he crashed, like the door busted open and like uh, jars of weed <laughs> came out, right? Okay. Now, here's the funny part, which they will fail to mention in this clip. However, right. it is mentioned yeah. in the article we link in the show notes. The person was drunk off their ass and had not recently smoked marijuana. Oh, <laughs> so, fair enough. Marijuana everywhere and an injured driver. It was- now, no mention that he wasn't actually... Uh, under the influence of that marijuana, but they do show you the pictures of the marijuana that spilled out onto the road. And an injured driver. It was not just the sheriff on the clock, but all the county's first responders. But the reality is the taxpayers of Cheyenne County, Kansas, are paying for what's happening in the state of Colorado. Oh, my gosh. That's the reality. Whether it's uh, through the prosecution or the arrest or even... Um, like I said, time is money. When you're paying a deputy by the hour, he's not getting another job you want done to serve the community he's working on this Chris, issue. Chris, I have their answer. I have Kansas's answer. 
they don't. Uh, and, and by the way, they're going to hire consultants yeah, for this. Yeah. They, they're going to pay. They like, probably already got one. If they're doing they, this news piece, it's probably to justify yeah. this, the money they're already spending. Yeah. So, so Chris, you, um, you want to ask me uh, what? How the, would you, Chase? How would you solve Kansas's problem with all of uh, this time they're spending chasing down these guys that come with Colorado weed? I think the chat room probably knows what I'm going to say if you're listening live. And then if you're at home, you're probably yelling it right now. Uh, Chris, that would be legalize it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And how about do like what we did here in the state, like before it was even recreationally legalized, they just said, okay, this is now the lowest priority on your list. Right. If there is, if you see somebody that stubs a toe, that's more important than you enforcing a right. cannabis law. Right. And that's, you just, you set their priorities, you stupid Idiots! You yeah. set their priorities. Right. Set yeah. their priorities correctly. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. They're they're so helpless. Did marijuana in crush the different vials? And you can see it's really starting to turn colors. So they have these portable testing kits. So that yeah. way they can pick up weed and make right. sure it's weed, not yeah. weed. Because purple <laughs> means pot. But on patrol, arrest is not the only answer. In a cash-strapped county of fewer than 3,000. Oh, is this maybe why they're pulling people over? Because it's a revenue profit generator? You stop somebody, you confiscate a small amount of marijuana. You resell you it. just say, I'll confiscate, you get out of here. Yes. Even in sparsely populated Cheyenne County, opinions vary on Kansas money chasing Colorado pot. Somebody's trafficking drugs, go do that. You're okay with that? You'd rather see it spit at home. Right, right. Protecting you, your family? Yes. Out here, standing up for the law is about what side of the state line you stand on. I love how the idea of like the fact that maybe they're wasting their time was never brought up. Or, so, or Chris, you know, there's the other in uh, the other flip side of my solution. Yeah, the other flip side is do what California does is when you enter the state of California. I don't know if you knew this, Chris, Mm-mm. but you go through an agricultural checkpoint. Oh yes, 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 right. Yeah. So when you're driving and they ask you if you have any fruits or vegetables to right. declare, right? All Kansas has to do is set up uh, checkpoints all across their state border. Uh, and just say, hey, do you have any marijuana to declare? They'll say yes or no, and then they'll move on. I got an easier solution. Oh, they okay. could just they could just look at the facts. They could just look right. at the science. Yeah, so, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. Washington Post has an article that shows that since the legalization of cannabis in Colorado, highway fatalities in Colorado at our historic lows because everybody's at home high. There is a chart, maybe. <laughs> I have the chart. Yeah, scroll down there. You see that? Yeah, zoom yeah. in on that chart there. That shows you going back to uh, 2002. Sorry. Whoa. Whoa. That's, that's some kind of fancy uh, that, Windows I, I didn't mean there. to do that. <laughs> I, I did the wrong thing. Uh, since the new Colorado law took effect in January, the drug driver panic has only intensified. Of course. Why wouldn't it? God forbid we react rationally to something like this. Uh, uh, but as you can see from, we'll have the charts in the show notes, fatalities are down. In fact... It's the lowest line, by the way, you In guys. 13 years. They're at a 13-year <laughs> wow. low right now. And of the seven months so far this year, they're substantially lower than they were at the same time last year. What's notable here is the totals for 2014 are closer to the safest year in 2002. Uh, and if you go by the miles driven, if you look oh, at the so fatal- fatalities, fatalities per mile, they're at the lowest they have like been in almost 22 so, years. So people are still driving. Yes. Uh, so 
Are you saying, Chris, that make uh, that marijuana makes you more alert behind the wheel? Well, I mean, <laughs> this could be attributed to a lot of things. Yeah, Perhaps cars have gotten safer to, over this time. That's but true. What it does show you is that there has not been a dramatic increase in traffic safety incidents right. since the legalization of so, cannabis. Yeah, but, but Chris, we got to throw the story out because it's not playing to the uh, the narrative here right. of this being bad. It isn't making me paranoid and freaked out. I like my news to make me scared. Yeah, you don't want to. If it doesn't bleed, it yeah. doesn't lead. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, so, I, you you know, you see CBS, the CBS Morning News ran that piece that we just played. Okay. That, that that data is from the Washington Post. Right. It's not some obscure no, paper. No, it's not fake. It's- so CBS is just electively not running this information when they ran that piece. Because that, that information came out before this piece on CBS was ever ran. Because that was just that was just like the other day. Well, you know, it's only a matter of time until we see on our local news another uh, uh, what a hash oil explosion, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. or somebody getting stopped again, oh, yeah. or whatever the oh, case for may sure. be. Oh, for sure. I mean, th- and this is you know we always say we're going to end it on a high note, but this is one of those narratives that we <laughs> like to keep a very close eye on because you know what we've seen the the positive effects of this, and I understand there's some people out there that feel like oh well it's our it's. You know, it's affected me and my family, and everybody makes their own personal, you know, decisions about this stuff. But man, yeah, I mean, Kansas, come on, stop wasting your money on this. I know, and and, you and know it's what? this faulty logic. And I wonder if people watching it at home were ever like, well, I mean, I do people that are watching this think about that kind of stuff? That's what I want to know. Do they are they watching the TV and just going, mm, yeah, that's really a shame to have to spend all that money in such a small town. Yeah, you that's know, really this, horrible. The, no. <sighs> I, I think there's a couple of generations of people. I mean, there's 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 people that get their news through Brian uh, Brian Brian Williams. This is Brian Williams. Brian Williams. Charlie Rose. Charlie Rose, and that's who they get it from, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, they don't want to do the research because remember no. we've we've talked about this on the show. People only want to hear what is agreeable to them. Well, I think that's beginning to change. That's where this yeah, show comes exactly. from, right? I mean, this right. is this is the there's a lot to follow and what we're going to try to do is go find all the stuff that made history this week and summarize it for you and we try to do, we try to do it. within about an hour. We try not to go over the hour mark as much as possible that way it is a concentrated dose of information. Yep. Go off, play video games, watch whatever you want and then just check in on the Unfilter show once a week and if you feel like you're just scratching the surface, then become an Unfilter supporter over at patreon.com com slash unfilter where you get even more plus clips there and not only are there just like the clips that we play in there but there's ones that are like i'm adding to the overtime folder because i feel like historically we might want to be able to go back and reference those and have them available for search so you can go into that overtime folder and there's almost an entire show's worth of clips in there sometimes it's really it's pretty great so there's a lot of good content to be had every single week and i i think that's why we're here and i that's that's i hope I hope, and based on you know, we are seeing some progress with our sub, uh, with our uh, with our subreddit, with our patron. Those things I think reflect that people agree with us, right? And even if people don't agree, I've I've seen those comments where even if they don't agree, and I've seen it on YouTube. Well, sure, I, I don't really agree, but. I like what you guys it's are doing. It's worth considering. I mean, yeah. I always think from an I think everybody just to be intellectually honest with themselves has to consider it from a different point sometimes, and we do it with quality. Boom. Hey, Chase, if people wanted to maybe, you know, give a slight yeah. influence, maybe a nudge in a certain direction for the show's content or give us some feedback, mm. an idea of the kinds mm. of things they'd like to see covered on the show, where would they go? I wonder if there's this place called uh, Reddit. Yeah, Reddit. Unfilter.reddit.com is the place where you can head over and engage in the conversation of what 
really is an awesome place to be. Yeah, it's and a great place. I check that like a couple of times a week. Always the day that I'm prepping the show, I go in there. I see what people are talking about. I sometimes submit stuff. Sometimes I hold stuff to I see if they stuff find too. it. Yeah, you do. I submit a lot of local stuff. I like to keep my eyes on the locals thing. Unfilter.reddit.com. Uh, yes. Just surpassed 1,400 readers. We're at 1,410. Ooh, nice. Crazy We've stuff. also got uh, ways you can contact us securely using encryption in the show notes. Those are towards the bottom of the show notes. Yep. You can also go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. Yeah. There's also the Twitters. Chase, are you on Twitter? You, you should know, try it, man. I do the Twitter. Uh, you know what? I... I tweet out about a lot oh, really? of local things. How would I find you things. on there? At Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. Oh, yeah. you should follow me. I'm uh, twitter.com slash Chris L-A-S. You know what, Chris? I do follow you. Oh, good. You you shortchanged me on three letters, though. Sorry. Well, characters. that's because I wanted to make sure that people are committed and willing to make that sacrifice to follow me. But you're able to follow the show and know when it's on and live when we do this show. You follow Chris or me on Twitter and we'll let you know. Absolutely. Now, uh, Chase. Yes, Chris. Got my news fix. Yep. I'm all up to date on what I need to know about for this week. Mm. Is there somewhere I could go to mm. unwind and enjoy me some gaming? You like games? I do like games. Mm. Geekgamer.tv, oh! Chris. That's right. Geekgamer.tv. Uh, we just finished up uh, a uh, Minecraft adventure called the Temple of Doom. I saw that. That looks so did you, cool. Did well, you, I'm a patron, so I get the email. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, it was so much fun and an incredible adventure. And, by the way, uh, at the end of the month, Penny Arcade Expo 14. Oh, my gosh. We're going to be there. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to steal Chris away for a day. So if you guys are going to be there, come say hi to us. Yes, absolutely. Be sure you join us next week, Wednesday. We start around 5 p.m. Pacific, usually over jblive.tv, jblive.info for the audio version. That's right. Thank you so much for joining us, you guys. We really do appreciate it. And we'll see you right back here next next week. By the way, I'm still on the search for a OnePlus invite, so if any of you guys got one. JBTitles.com Please let me know. Let's boat. Let's boat like a mouse. I uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it through today's show. What, why? What's wrong, Except I'm just so damn tired. I think the standing really makes a difference, because yeah. as soon as I sit, yeah. I, I start to fall asleep. Watch list of terror. Don't you want this phone, Chris? Don't you want this phone? Um, I think if I wasn't at a point where I'm so done with Android, I would. I know. Well, I mean, I just I I feel like like I I feel like um, I feel like I've probably spent thousands of dollars trying to get the right Android device, and it's always that next device. It was it was going to be the HTC One, then it was going to be the Nexus Five. So what you're saying now is the OnePlus. Are you saying that we need to camp out for an iPhone (laughs) Six? I'm waiting for the Firefox phone. Tell you the truth. Really? Well, we'll see. Yeah. Maybe one day. I've already, I, I, I've already said it. Uh, Tied against humanity. I'm gonna get phone. All right, jbtitles.com, jbtitles.com, jbtitles.com. Everybody, boat right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Thank you too to the. We had a couple of supporters who increased their pledge amounts because of uh, our coverage of the conflict in Gaza, and we got a lot of notes too. Oh shit! I meant to mention that in the show. We got a lot of responses to that topic and email. I didn't really want to bring it all up in the show, but thank you everybody who wrote in. We read all of them. Hey, it's Lieutenant Leffler. Yeah, in HD now, buddy. Oh, I know. God, she looks so good back then. 
Oh, Miss Judd, it's your prime. JamieTowers.com, JamieTowers.com, everybody boat, everybody boat. And what was wrong with the game? It was a, it was a, it was just a drug-inducing. Yeah, I know. Wow, wow, wow! How do you feel about the Oculus Rift, Chase? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I have the Windows box out because it only works on DK2. Only works with Windows right now. God, I want to mess with this so bad. Yeah, it's a little bit. It might it might end your life, so be careful. It's weird. It's it's crazy. All right, we, we got to pick a title. We got to pick a title. JBTitles.com. Uh, the Oculus Rift. Why don't you uh, go to? Uh, yeah, we could we could well, we could download and put the SDK. On. Oh wait, no, we need HDMI. We can do it on this. <gasps> Tied against humanity. Watch list of terror. I, I like both those. Watch list of terror and Tide against humanity. I gotta say, this new kit is a lot lighter than the one I, I tried on at PAX. Yeah, yeah. A lot lighter. I'm impressed. Sanction sidestep. Sanctions, sanctions, sanctions. Brand new leak. Watch list of terror sounds pretty good. I like. Actually, I like that one a lot. Okay, we'll go with Shadow River's watch list of terror. Tide against humanity has him beat by one boat, but. I kind of like Watch List of Terror. All right, guys. We're going to get the heck out of here. Thank you very much for being here today. Thank you all of our supporters who keep us going. And uh, tomorrow on the live stream, we start with Tech Talk Today. Yay. Then a bonus coder radio after Tech Talk Today, Ooh. followed by Tech Schnapp. Wow. So a lot of stuff on the show tomorrow. Nice. Yes. So, you know, I get to secretly uh, listen from work. Oh yeah, nice, nice. Because I'm I'm working. You're a working man. I'm a working man. I know you is. I know you is. All right, so we're gonna get out of here. You, you know, guys, we like your faces, right? We love your faces, you guys. Thank you so much. I'm now gonna put on this Oculus Rift and disappear uh, into a virtual pre- world. Pretend I'm with Ashley Judd. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. See you next week. Bye, bye, guys.